Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 174. This is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, uh, smartwatches, and really nice pairs of jeans. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Intern Alex filling in for Mr. Ben Morse. Yes, so uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, and Ben is uh, laid up with uh, throat horror. Something. He's basically got uh, little demons in his throat. So uh, he was like, I could call in and we could do this over Skype, but I can't talk. So I was like, you know what? That's fair. Yeah, it might don't, not work out. Don't worry <laughs> about that. Um, and uh, so he may join us for Twim URC. If not, it'll just be me and Alex again at the end. But uh, we'll see when we get there. So we're just riding by the seat of our pants on this one, as always. Uh, so if you're just joining us, this is uh, we're going to get through all the, the new comics for the week, whether it's print or digital, collections, single issues, all that good stuff. Talk about news. Uh, I guess we'll wait for Ben for the news as well, unless that's filled out. There's some stuff in here, but he knows the details. Uh, news. Uh, we'll talk about some Hollywood stuff with Patrick, uh, Strami, and Wacker. And uh, then we'll get into the reading club, which um, the reading club for this week was Black Panther. Uh, the first yeah. five issues of Chris Priest's run uh, from like 2000 or whenever it was. It was right around there, yeah. 98, 99, 2000, yeah, something like 98, that. Yeah, 98, 99. Which is so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> this is my first time reading it. And oh, I just, man. I was like, what? I was like, this is awesome. I read like three more issues after it once yeah. you got it said to. That's it's, terrific. It's great. Uh, but we'll get to that later on. Right now, up first, we've got the comics for the week, starting with all-new Captain America, Fear Him, number four. This issue wraps up the adaptation of the Infinite comic. It's Cap and Nomad versus Scarecrow. There's little kids around. There's uh, heroes just digging deep and fighting their fears and helping each other and being awesome. And Steve Rogers watching everyone from afar and like giving his approval. It's great. That's it's great. That's all you need to know. Uh, all New Invaders number fifteen, written by James Robinson and Steve Pugh. This is, I believe, the last issue of the series, which uh, is a bummer because I was really digging it. And this may be my favorite issue of the bunch. I don't know. It just felt so – it's cool because it's so connected to everything that's going on in Marvel. And there's a big Inhuman plot here because Toro is an Inhuman, and we've, we found that out. And so, like, there's a big battle with all kinds of Inhumans in here. Uh, but there's – it's really centered around a conversation between Steve Rogers and – and uh, Jim Hammond, the Human Torch, and Namor, uh, three of the founding members of the original Invaders, is sort of, they're, they're just, like, talking about things. And it works really, really well. Uh, you really like the directions that all the characters go in, and um, sort of their relationships feel, they just feel real, which I super appreciate. I think James did a great job on this. Uh, and Steve Pugh, as always, nails it. Um, we get uh, some hints that, yes, there are plot lines that we want to see, you know, resolved, which we, we won't right now, that with the Eternals and with the Kree and with uh, the original Vision and with uh, the Martians and all kinds of crazy awesome stuff. Hopefully we'll see that picked up elsewhere. I think there's a great text piece at the end that James says, you know, you'll be seeing characters again. Don't you worry, because he's got other projects with us, uh, which I'm very happy for. And um, it ended on such a great note. Uh, there was a there was a, a cat 
who appeared in a previous issue, and it really bummed me out. Uh, so what happened here made me so happy as... Anyone who knows me, I have five cats, and they are the best things ever. And um, daily cat updates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, multiple daily cat updates today. This morning, Janie Jones was in the sink playing with the water, and I, I was able to capture her even if it was six thirty in the morning. It mesmerizes them. <laughs> uh, she's great. Anyway, uh, I love this series. If you guys haven't read it, um, uh, you, you can pick it up now or. Wait for it to come on Unlimited. Read the whole run at once. It'll be 15 issues when it's done. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, just binge it. Binge it. All right, up next, we got all-new X-Men number 38, written by Brian Michael Bendis and art by Andrea Sorrentino. This is Chapter 4 of The Black Vortex, and it starts off with the cosmically enhanced Gamora, Beast, and Angel. Basically talking about how they're going to start their journey and you know show the universe this is the way to go use the black vortex it will open up your eyes and they're on this primitive planet and they're about to use it on these primitive species when all of a sudden ronin pops up <laughs> and kind of i was really like impressed because he beats the crap out of gamora all of a sudden takes the black vortex then we shift over to the moon after mr knife's attack and you get to see where everyone ended up after that, the X-Men, Peter Quill, Rocket. And then at the end, you see the cosmically enhanced Gamora, Beast, and Angel show back up on the Kree, on the Kree homeworld, and they're trying to get the Black Vortex back. We'll see more of that next issue. And you also have the end page, which shows a return of a hero that hopefully will help someone, uh, help out the X-Men, Peter Quill, and their dilemma right now. Indeed. Uh, on to the other big event that's finishing up right now. We've got Spider-Verse. This is the epilogue issue. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 15 by Dan Slott, Giuseppe Gamacoli. Uh It's gorgeous issue. Super fun. The heroes won. There were losses. Yeah, spoiler. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but there's an urgency to this issue because the portals that sort of get them off, uh, off this home world, off loom world, uh, are starting to... You know, starting to close. There's, they need to get everybody home. So we have all these different spider characters. They need to go back from. Uh, they need to go back whence they came. If I said mm -hmm. from whence, I could hear my wife slapping me in the back of the head because <laughs> that is grammatically incorrect. From whence is not correct. Whence they came. Anyway, we get that uh, amazing stuff for all your all the characters you, you've liked. You know, like little touches. Spider Girl in here has two. It's only like two pages of her in here. But it's terrific, yeah, and I'm so just like, oh, my God, give me more of that. Uh, we got, you know, our Spider-Punk and uh, various characters. Ock, uh, Superior Spider-Man, makes oh, a big such play. Such a jerk. Oh, he's <laughs> such a tool. Uh, but, you know, it's what you expect. And it's, I, I love how it all loops together into, like, his story yeah. uh, and, and how that ties into what we've already read from him. Uh, interesting reveal for... Um, uh, Karn in here. I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I did not expect that. I was like, whoa, nope. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of cool hints that, like, here are different places you're going to see more of these characters that you're into, uh, whether it's, you know, right away in various other titles that are going on now or coming up in things in the future. Uh, it's great. And, you know, Spidey, uh, Peter Parker, our Peter Parker, uh, along with Silk and Spider-Woman, they're back in the 616 doing what they got to do. And, um... Yeah, it's a great time to be a Spider-Man fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, up next is Amazing X-Men, number 17, written by Chris Yost, art by Jorge Fuernes. 
Uh, and um, yeah, everybody's going after the the gem of Sidorak. It's just a free for all melee. Kane Marco, uh, total badass in this. He's like, you know. Two fists and guns and swords and axes. The and, ultimate and, soldier. <laughs> yeah, and just punching people, and somehow he's super strong still without the gem, and it's great. Uh, but really, there's just tons of fighting. Uh, oh, there's a great scene with Crossbones and Firestar in this. Uh, I was, I got a little like, whoa, this is intense. Uh, but great work by the team here. Rockslide is just your standout character. You could tell that Chris Yost loves writing that character. Um, and as we get to the end, uh, we it took me a little bit to figure out what exactly was happening, and I wish Ben was here, because he'd be like, yeah, no, it was this guy. You could tell it was this guy because of X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, okay. But <laughs> finally, the last page, you figure out, like, there's a big, epic reveal. Uh, the juggernaut is back. What does that mean? Uh, craziness. Craziness. Am I, am I again? Yep. <laughs> All right. Daredevil, number 13. Um, this one is, uh, this was a great one. This is a sort of, I wouldn't say it's a side tale, uh, because it definitely ties in everything that's going on. You know, Mark Wade and Chris Somney, um and uh, uh, Matt, Matt Wilson, yeah. Uh, you know, doing great work, as always. But, you know, Matt has a history. Uh, Matt Murdock has a history of the women he loves dying. You know, like, they, they get killed, they go crazy, there's tragedy, it, it ends in heartbreak. Something always goes wrong. And he's, you know, the crux of uh, what he's feeling in this issue is guilt and wary and nervousness. And, you know, Foggy's picking up on it. Uh, Kirsten's picking up on it. And there in, comes a battle between um, Daredevil and someone he's not totally familiar with and the way this trend this plays out was terrific it was uh it was really it was funny it was cute it was uh also you know intense and disturbing uh it was great it was what you want out of this book and then at the end uh a nice little twisty twist little twisteroonie <laughs> twistowski okay okay i look forward to that and up next we have dart vader number two oh <sighs> I, I can't I just like have to take a moment to just breathe because it, it's written by Kieran Gillen again, art by Salvador Larocca, and they just kill it again. <laughs> <laughs> this book is amazing. It's just more of Vader being Vader, and you see him just—he's just awesome. He's awesome. Like he's every—I guess it's like the badass hero you always want, you know. And but basically, this issue, the Emperor—he's—he's he's basically having his generals watch Vader and Vader for some reason does not know it but his his patience is it's limited <laughs> he's getting tired of it and they have put like an adjunct on him and while he's trying to get through all his missions they're searching his communications and trying to figure out and at the end there's a big twist with the adjunct that he had and Vader's just he's making it known he's like next time you know watch out <laughs> he, he, he can obviously he's more powerful than anyone in the universe and they're treating him like he's this little minute character you know also he's not a dumb dumb yeah <laughs> he's smart he knows what's up yeah. he's, he's paying attention there's just one like part where general tag or the how you say it he's just like you know, you're an old school weapon, and you can see like, you know, you can't see Vader's face, but you know he's just like, oh man, he's thinking, <laughs> I will rip you yeah. apart. And there's one part where you get a little battle scene. Um, 
callback to episode one and more enhanced version of something in episode one and it's 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 great it's they're like a, they don't even phase vader basically he knows how to take care of it and that's it and i i just love this book i can't i can go on so long about this book just because it's so amazing there was a really sweet moment uh towards the end where vader sort of the the panel is drawn in a great way it looks like vader is you know touching um a droid with like endearingly and like sort of like thank you droid friend i like you you can you always good. trust droids. and then what happens after that i was like you I just, <laughs> oh man! So unexpected, but you somehow still love it. <laughs> oh, I love that book. Like, I love you, Vader. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, up next is Deadpool number forty-two. Uh, only three issues until Deadpool dies. Oof. So remind you that it's uh, happening. <laughs> yeah, Deadpool is in Warizabad. War- Warizabad, I believe that's oh Wazirabad, and uh, fighting Omega Red, and that's pretty much. The crux of the issue. There's all kinds of other stuff going on. There's a lot of conversations, you know, interesting stuff about motive in here. Uh, but it's a great fight between Deadpool and Omega Red. I love it. Now we got Fantastic Four, number 643, part two of The End is Forever. And it's written by James Robinson, art by Leonard Kirk, and ink by Carl Kessel. And basically, it's uh, the quiet man, John Eden. His plan is in full action. There are invasions all over the world, all created through Franklin's dreamscape. And the way they see fit to take care of this is to call in Rick Sheridan, a.k.a. Sleepwalker. And basically, you just get this whole backstory of the Sleepwalker. Rick Sheridan's like, oh, if you don't know this about him, let me tell you. It's great. (laughs) And so you get to see some of the past adventures the sleepwalker and how many times he's actually helped save the world you can see there's a lot there's a whole splash page just all for sleepwalker just all the heroes he's helped before all the adventures he's been through and they're basically um there's the thing and the hulk or doc green sorry are in a big battle and they're like should we get some backup should we call the avengers and then some the avengers show up but not in the way you expect and we'll take it from there (laughs) yeah uh, Inhuman number twelve up next by Charles Soule, art by Ryan Stegman, uh, just knocking it out of the park. Both those dudes, uh, colors by Richard Eisenhoff and Michelle Rosenberg. Everybody's just running uh, full speed ahead on this book. Uh, Inalux, who is um, they're like a military for the the military force of Inalux, uh, is basically diving right into New Adlon because uh, they need. You know this body for the head of the thing. You know, you guys will read it. You'll you'll get it. Uh, but it's basically the in, the Inhumans have to repel these invaders, and uh, it's a great battle. And boom, Black Bolt shows up. Terrific, like intensity. Uh, there's a the great key. reaction. <laughs> um, one of the characters, like as Black Bolt is single-handedly fighting off like a hundred dudes, she's like, "Oh my god!" And another guy's like, "Yup." <laughs> and it's just, just thrashing everyone. Uh, really terrific. Um, all that's going on, and sort of Medusa's coming out of that the um, the inversion funk and dealing with the repercussions of what she did. She's trying to get redemption from you know the people uh, who have trusted her and who love her. Um, all the while, like 
looking at Black Bolt and trying to figure out, you know, how to feel and what to think. And you could tell she's hurt, right? And I think that's a really, it's an important part of, of this whole tapestry because she is super strong. She's been leader of the, the Inhumans. She needs to keep being that leader. But she also is torn by the actions of the man she has loved for many, many years uh, and, and what that all means and, this, you know, how it's shaped their situation. It's, it's a great complex story going on in here. Uh, and it, it's a um, nice, heavy emotional ending right at the end. Um, next, we got Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors number four. This is a, um, by Joe Caramagna, and it is the adaption of the Itsy Bitsy Spider-Man episode, which they're dealing with Loki, and basically Loki just turns all of them into adorable versions of themselves with this stone of Norn, and Thor comes, they have to fight the Destroyer, and just, it's a really fun uh, little arc. All right. Uh, all right. Two months, what happens? Uh, does time run out? Time runs out, Alex. Uh, so in New Avengers this week, number 30, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Dalibor Talijic, uh, Rick Magyar, and colors by Frank Martin, uh, this is the Beyonders. This is the issue where you we get to figure out who the Ivor Kings are. They are the Beyonders. And why they don't look like the Beyonders from the other Secret Wars comics, because there's full explanations in here. It makes a lot of sense, um, and it makes that though the Beyonders that we've seen in the past look like tiny, like a tiny little baby who can't even like uh, move its arms properly. Do babies move their arms properly? I don't know. I don't have a baby. Uh. I'm not sure, but yeah. the, let's I say know they what you can't mean. move their arms properly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the be the Beyonders are here, and Hank Pym has seen so much. He yeah. went out in the space uh, to to sort of figure out what's going on, and he's seen so much. He's basically gone crazy yeah. and come back from being crazy, <laughs> like full, 100. percent He's seen uh, the Beyonders and the emissaries of the Beyonders and all the different like levels of of cosmic craziness and it just got you know bigger and bigger and bigger and to the point where there's giant space wars that he's witnessed there's you know life and death he uh we, we get brian braddock brought in captain britain and we get to figure we get to see what has happened to the captain britain corps which that's a heavy one yeah. uh all that is going on and we we get to sense um we see how powerful these Beyonders are. Uh, they go up against the Celestials. And there's an amazing way they, they talk about that. And, um, like, the concepts that are put forward here are just incredible. Uh, but what's bigger than the Celestials? Well, we've got the um, the cosmic... Uh, I wouldn't call them avatars. There's a word that we have for them, and I can't remember it. But, you know, eternity and infinity and chaos and order and the in-betweener and um, all this stuff that the Beyonders are like, yeah, let's, let's go tackle that now. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, they, they do all they got to do and they turn around and there is um, the Living Tribunal. And for those of you who have been wondering for a very long time uh, since the all-new Marvel Now point one or whatever that, that one-shot was where we saw the uh, Living Tribunal dead on the moon, well... This is why. Yeah. <laughs> the, this you, is how it happens. Yeah, and it's... Uh, 
Yeah, there's there's a line. It's basically like all hope is lost. Yeah. By the I, end of the issue, and you're like, yeah, well, uh, yeah, pretty much yeah, everybody's like, dead. What can they possibly do? Like honestly, yeah. after seeing that, it's like, uh, uh all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, up next, Shield number three. Uh, we've got uh, a cool story where um, Coulson has brought Spider-Man to. Uh, go to Doctor Strange's house, because Strange's house, is, there's basically a home invasion, a mystic home invasion. Doctor Strange, not around right now. Uh, so why the hell would Coulson bring Spider-Man, who is not a mystic character? There's great rationale in here. I love Wade's, you know, like, the way he thinks about Coulson. It just makes makes perfect sense. They bring in uh, another, a myst, a le- like a D-level mystic character, and I, again, I wish Ben was here, because I'd be like, where have we seen this guy before? What's his deal? Uh, you know. a whole rundown. <laughs> yeah. So his name is Mr. Pavel P. Rasputin. Uh, so he's just like a low-level villain who is in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody. Uh, he does the magics. And so he comes in to help out with the magic side of it. Um, this is drawn by Alan Davis, uh, which, you know, makes me so happy. I... I'm sure we have, but I don't remember seeing Alan Davis draw Spider-Man. I'm so used to seeing him draw the X-Men or um, even the Avengers that seeing him draw Spider-Man is just so great. Uh, and also just being able to do like all the, the mystic stuff with creatures and you know the, the designs for like magic spells and all kinds of stuff and monsters. It's just terrific. He's great. There's amazing fight. Uh, all kinds of fun stuff. I love all where all the characters sort of like the roles that they have to play throughout this. Uh, Coulson, terrific, and how everything is solved, it's great. It's this is like the best book. I freaking love this book. It's so good. <laughs> and we get another little comic strip uh, at the end by Joe Casada, which references another beloved comic strip that everyone will uh, will be like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. It's so great. <laughs> Uh, all right, on to Secret Avengers, number 13. That cover. Hold on. Just oh, yeah, <laughs> the cover by um, uh, Trad Moore and Matt Wilson is amazing. Yeah. So you've got uh, Coulson and Hawkeye and Fury and the Fury and MODOK getting ready to go to war. They've all got their red bandanas all on. shirtless. Shirtless, <laughs> like, ready to rock and roll, bro, with guns and, like, raw. Yeah. And, uh... Sporting a very ramble look. Yeah. <laughs> and Modoc's just saying, would someone please help me tie my headband? <laughs> Which, I love it. I love it so much. I love this book so much. Um... Al Scott wrote it, Michael Walsh uh, drew it, and Matt Wilson did the covers. And this is, you know, this is the, the battle is coming together. Uh, the forces for good are trying to take down Snapper as he's trying to unleash Tilon. Tilon, however we say it. Uh, Fury wants its babies. Uh, the rest of the Secret Avengers want revenge. Uh, there's a great explosionometer in here. Um, also, a two page diversion with. Deadpool, which is just terrific. Uh, three page, I should say. Uh, this explosionometer and a great. There's on one at one point, uh, it totally breaks the fourth wall to talk about the uh, where the explosionometer was stolen from. Uh, it's just all kinds of fun. <laughs> I love this book. It's it doesn't take itself too seriously, even though there are some really serious things going on and like big big things. It like it it gets it. 
You know, I, I don't know if that makes sense. I hope it makes sense to you guys. But it's super funny. There's a part where Modoc is just firing giant guns, and he says, "Death to semi semio capitalism." I have conflicting feelings about myself. Life is a paradox. <laughs> it's terrific. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. That in is great. <laughs> I I can't speak highly enough of this series, this book. Please tell me you're reading this. Uh, great Spider Woman moment right at the end. But um, yeah. It's all coming to a head, but I, I, again, yeah, one of the best books we're putting out. One of my favorite books we're putting out. Again with me. <laughs> wow, so many comics. Uh, oh, here's the big one. Uh, so many people have been anticipating this. It's Spider-Gwen, number one, written by Jason Latour, art by Robbie Rodriguez, colors by Rico Renzi. Uh, so this picks up right after, um, I guess... Technically, right after the uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue from this week, the epilogue where Gwen is, uh, she's sent off from Loom World, she's survived uh, Spider-Verse, and she has to go back to, to her reality. I think uh, this does take place either several days after or over the span of several days. But in this, uh, we've got the Vulture, who is uh, introduced in here. I guess in this universe, there aren't as many super characters. It's a sort of new thing. Um, we're, we're learning all about this, which is great. We've got Yancey Street Gang. We get to see uh, the Ben Grimm of this universe. We get to see, I think, the Hobie Brown, Brown yeah. which is awesome. Makes yeah. me super happy. I want that character and so much more now. Um, we've got... Uh, we, we learn that, no, they don't call her Spider-Gwen in this Spider universe. Spider-Woman. She is Spider-Woman. That's just who she is. Uh, Spider-Gwen is the name of the comic. Spider-Gwen. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, she's got this great villain called the Bodega Bandit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? That is terrific. Uh, it's just, it's a really fun, really poppy, big story. We can see what, uh, where... Uh, Matt Murdock is, where Foggy Nelson is. Frank Castle. Frank Castle. Um, it's just, it's great. It's the, one of those things I love about, like, what-if style stories, yeah. where you get to mm. see where all your favorite characters live, and now this isn't a what-if. This is this is an ongoing book. This is a, you know, this is a reality that we're going to dig into pretty hot and heavy for a while, which is great. Um, uh, and then, we you know, the Mary Janes. Uh, Gwen was part of this band, and there's a great, you know, plot twist with them in here uh, as... Uh, Maybe things aren't going the way that you'd want them to, but it's it's that that spider luck, which is usually means there's not a lot of luck going on. It's always <laughs> yeah. in the reverse. So uh, Gwen fares uh, doesn't fare very differently in here, and she she gets to battle a vulture, uh, and she's she's kind of mean to him. I yeah. mean, sure, he's a horrible person, like trying to hurt people and do mean things, but she's you know she's doing those spidey quips, and it's great. But uh, you know. Little, little intense on those some some of those jabs. I thought were like, "Wow, that's that's not." She nice. also didn't seem to be like in a great mood, you know. Right, she's <laughs> she's had a little bit to deal with. I'll give her that. I'll give her that. All right, up next we got Spider Man twenty ninety nine number nine, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, and read this after the Spider Verse issue because this also takes place after the Spider Verse issue. That Spider Man twenty ninety nine, Miguel O'Hare, back in his uh, rightful year. And it's a lot different, though. <laughs> Everything is gone. Everything is destroyed. The first, like, opening page is just him, his head, his, his, like, his hands on his head. He's like, what happened? He was like, this is not where I came from. And he finds these two, I guess, 
to the only remaining people on the earth right now and he questions them they bring him to their they call it dystopia and then we get a uh i mean it's not a surprise right on the cover so i'm just gonna say it we get maestro maestro is back in full form just as evil as My, ever. Do you say maestro? Yeah. Maestro. I, I don't know. I like, like, like maestro, please. <laughs> you know, the conductor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we get maestro looking badass as ever, looking really evil as ever. And he thinks that Miguel O'Hara is Peter Parker. And he's like, Spider-Man, I'm surprised like you're still here. You made this far. And he's like, nice costume <laughs> also, because obviously Spider-Man 29 is not Peter Parker. But Miguel's just going with it. Uh, they try to get some answers out of each other. They take, they know that both of each other, like, they're both lying. And, I mean, Maestro, Maestro just he, he takes care of Spider-Man 2099, and we'll have to see. He's the Hulk, yeah. and he's a Hulk with so much experience, uh, as we read in a previous Twim URC in Future Imperfect. Yeah, not too long ago. Not too long ago. Uh, he is a formidable foe, uh, not yeah. easily beaten, mostly by his own hubris. Yeah, I, I love, like, w when Spider-Man 29, like, he realizes that it's, like, the Hulk. He's, like... Whoa, what is that like force I'm feeling? I never felt that before. And Austin's like, oh, wait, yes, I have. <laughs> and he just looks up and it's Maestro standing there. But yeah, he gets beaten pretty bad and we'll have to pick up the next issue to see where we're going. Not, and you also get a surprise appearance at the end. I don't remember what it is, but I like it. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. On to Spider Man and the X Men, number three, written by Elliot Kalan, uh, art by Marco Faia. And Ian Herring, uh, so Spider-Man and his troop of ex-students, the X-Men kids, uh, survived the uh, menace of Stegron and Sauron, uh, only to be shunted to the Mojoverse, which is one of my favorite things about comics. The Mojoverse is basically there's this, this giant uh, invertebrate slug-like creature called Mojo who is in a little metal chair and is the ruler of the Mojoverse, which I don't never really understood because there's so many different, like, Mojo-alikes in there, but somehow this one, you know, our Mojo is the head Mojo, and uh, he he controls this, this universe that is fed and based on television and entertainment and keeping the masses sated with as much entertainment as possible. So all his schemes, all his things are about getting people to uh, be in, on these TV shows that he's creating, he's producing, directing, and making, and, you know, keeping the Mojoians, I guess whatever we're calling, the Mojo versus Denizens. Uh, yeah, Mojoian sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> keeping them uh, in line and letting him stay in charge by being the one who produces the greatest entertainment. Uh, so we've got all the ex-kids in Spider-Man doing their Mojoverse, you know, show and trying to escape and all this other stuff. We get the return of the fabulous X-Babies, uh, which makes me so happy. Are you familiar with the X-Babies, Alex? Mm, I do not think I am. Oh, boy. <laughs> the X-Babies are amazing. They showed up in, I believe, they first showed up in Excalibur. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. <laughs> oh, Ben's not here to we correct me. We miss you, Ben. <laughs> God, this is falling apart. Anyway, the X-Babies are amazing. They're tiny baby versions of uh, the the X-Men. Uh, I wouldn't say baby versions. They're like little kid versions of the X-Men, created by Mojo, uh, but they sort of broke off, and they are a, for, a forever and constant uh, thorn in Mojo's side. There's a 
just, just this, this moment where Spider-Man talks to uh, Wolverine Baby and tells him what's right going now. on with real Wolver- with you know Wolverine in our universe. It's heartbreaking. Oh man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, it's just it's a terrific story. I love Mojo stories. We should read more Mojo stories. Mojo should be in every book. He makes me so happy. Uh, such a terrific character. And we get three epilogues. Three epilogues Ooh. by the end of this issue. Up next, we got Superior Iron Man number five, written by Tom Taylor, art by Laura Braga. And this is titled The Origin of Teen Abomination. And basically because the whole issue explores the origin of Teen Abomination. So you find out that Teen Abomination's mom actually worked for Tony Stark back in the day. And she was part of some gamma tests that actually led to why Teen Abomination is the way he is now. Uh, the transformation didn't come until later in his life, and it has a pretty heartbreaking end to it. But there's basically the biggest thing of this issue is towards the end, you find out who Teen Abomination's father is. Oh, man. And it's just like, whoa, did not expect that at all. But in the middle of that, you have this action, you have uh, a little issue going on of Tony Stark flashes back to the day that the accident happened with Teen Abomination and he's saying oh I remember that day I was actually battling the Black Llama and all of a sudden he's trying to remember what happened and he just can't and that's going to play into future stories of this <laughs> don't skate over the Llama conversation that they have because <laughs> I Tom Taylor is doing such a great job on this book I love yeah. you know he's like throwing the, the emotional stuff in there with the the comedy stuff with the action yeah. stuff he's just every and, and he writes this scumbag Tony Stark yeah. in such he's a perfect way it, yeah. oh, it's so good and on top of that he also writes this perfect team bomb nation who's not the brightest <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's so, a little kid yeah. so Tony's telling him about oh yeah I was fighting the black llama and then he's like how do you even like fight a llama he's like no it's like a goo he's like were you picturing me fighting an actual black llama he's like yeah. <laughs> I I wish, I hope in Secret Wars we can get an actual, actual superpowered llama. llama. That'd be amazing. That would make me so happy. I just dude, I love llamas and alpacas. Oh, uh, I just I could just I uh, imagine hang out with them. Superior Iron Man Secret Wars. Just its own title versus the black llama. Just a giant black llama. I want to hug a llama. <laughs> I want someone to pay me just to hug animals. So actually by uh, the apartment I live in Jersey and Highland, around Highland Park, there's a park literally down the street that has a huge petting zoo, and there's llamas there. Llamas and a mini horse. So in the summer when I first moved in, I used to walk around all the time just because I was like, what? <laughs> I was so amazed. I was like, I, I'm never leaving this place. I would go on, like, on a run, stop, feed them. Like, just the llama and just the mini horse. There's like deers too and horses, but like regular horses, I didn't care though. <laughs> yeah, screw those those regular horses. Yeah, mini horse and a llama, you can't get any better than that. <laughs> that sounds great, even if it is in Jersey. Yeah. Um, Alright, <laughs> up next, Thor Annual number one, another huge one this week. Uh, three stories. Uh, the first one by Jason Aaron and art by Tim Truman with colors by Frank Martin. I don't know how I didn't know Timothy Truman was doing a Thor story for us because that to me is just huge. Um, Timothy Truman is like a legendary artist. has done so much stuff over the years. I, I, he, he's so amazing. It's got this cool, gritty, detailed work. It's great. And it's around uh, 
his, that story is about the uh, three Thor's granddaughters, the girls of thunder, uh, who see Thor. You know, he's kind of bummed out. And this is after all kinds of events that we've already read in previous Thor stories. Uh, and they're like, you know, what? we're gonna we're gonna do a little uh, a little gift for grandfather. Uh, it's his birthday. We're gonna make him a present, and it's really sweet. Uh, it's terrific. It's funny and. Just everything about it. I love it so much. Um, I love that that story. So that was, that was great. That's one. Starts off with a bang. Then we go over to Noelle Stevenson and Marguerite uh, Sauvage's uh, Thor story, which I think this is Marguerite's first work for us. It's Noelle's first work for us. Noelle does a great book called Lumberjanes uh, for, I think, uh, Boom slash Arcana. Um, but she does lumberjanes, and she I, I remember following her on Tumblr like four years ago. I was just like, she does this really great art. She loves Lord of the Rings and Avengers and stuff like that, and she's an amazing artist. She's also a great writer. This centers around uh, Thor, the current Thor, uh, as she is fielding just ne'er-do-wells in a bar. People are like, you're not Thor, and just getting into fights, and then the Warriors 3 are like, you're not our Thor. you got to prove yourself like our Thor would have and, and did prove himself. So just a great couple pages of awesome montages of them doing all these things and trying to get her, uh, trying to get Thor to like do crazy stuff and prove she's one of them, and just like everybody... like. Stealing things and going and doing stuff and sort of like graffiti and uh, just really, really funny story. Super cute uh, and a great way to connect the our current Thor with the world of our previous Thor and how that all works together. It's terrific. Uh, and then last but not least, story by Mr. CM Punk. Making Phil Brooks, his debut. Yeah, making his well another one double debut here with Phil Brooks and Rob Guillory, um, CM Punk I should say. Uh, Punk, um, obviously wrestler and a uh, soon to be a UFC fighter, which is super cool. I think. Whoa. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that he's probably the first Marvel staffer to also be, or, or Marvel um, writer, artist, creator to be a UFC fighter. Hmm. I'm going to guess. I'll have to look that up. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll look at, uh, at some sort of pedia and find out. But we've got that. So he's doing this. He wrote this story. And Rob Guillory comes in to do art. They're buddies. Uh, Rob is the artist for the book Chew, which is super fun. It's super weird. Um, and together they just do this great story. And I, I learned from John Moyson, the editor, that uh, Punk did this Marvel style, which means he basically wrote the plot, wrote the story that he wanted, worked on it with Rob. Rob drew it based off of that, and then Punk could go in and dialogue it. And That's sort of awesome. that that helps shift some of the things. It gives a lot of storytelling uh, power to the artist. Uh, I know Dan Slott writes a lot in uh, Marvel style, and it's, it's great. I mean, that that was how uh, it happened back in the day with Stan Lee. Uh, Stan writing nine billion books at any given time uh, had to you know plot a lot of them and let the artist take you know just take the ball and run with it and, and put a lot more insight into it. So. 
that's what their story, uh, that's how their story was created. And this one is about a drinking game, which is funny because Punk is straight edge, but it's about uh, Thor being challenged to a, th- a drinking game by Mephisto, who is the devil. And it is hilarious. It is terrific. I read it twice. <laughs> the first time I read it, I liked it. The second time I had like three laugh out loud moments, which was great. I, it was just, it's a terrific, terrific story. Made me very happy. I am imploring Punk to write more for us, so hopefully this will not be the last time we see his name on a comic book. All right, up next we have Uncanny Avengers number two, written by Rick Remender and art by Daniel Acuna. And we pick up right where we left off last issue. They are on Counter-Earth. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are trying to dig into their past and find out their true origins. And basically this issue is just conveys that the high evolutionary is the biggest jerk you can ever ever like even think about uh alex <laughs> let me break it to you we've known that for a long time <laughs> he just he really solidifies it though in this issue basically counter to him is just one big test tube it's an experiment and after he tries to kill saber he basically tells the citizens of counter oh i'm so sorry you guys aren't perfect you guys aren't good enough for me, and sorry, I'm wiping the, the it's slate. It's so horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. And like this, this like panel right here, just like it got me. I was like, I hate this guy. And he's talking oh, about how yeah. people being like born imperfect and everything, and they close up on one of the inhabitants, and you're just like, that is terrible. <laughs> I mean, the, this world is like animal people. Yeah. It's the best place ever. Yeah, it's like, why wouldn't you? And it's like a utopia. Everybody seems to be pretty happy. Yeah, everyone's getting along. Like, everyone, there's, like, when the, the violence starts happening, everyone's like, oh, my God, what's happening? Like, everyone's getting along together. And then the she's like, oh, this isn't uncommon. You guys are, know what violence is. But anyway, I'm going to kill you all now. <laughs> so he wipes the slate clean. And then we get to see all these the, where the rest of the team is. You have Brother Voodoo, who's actually in the middle of, I guess, like a shrine or graveyard, and he's talking to all the spirits of, you know, everyone that's ever been killed on Counter Earth, and there are a lot of them. And even th- then, you find out the High Evolutionary also killed his daughter. Like, what? Like, why? <laughs> How awful of a person can you be? And she said it was just because she stuck up for the citizens of Counter-Earth. And you can see Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver saved by... I don't know if they give him a name, but they call him the Low Evolutionary. Mm. Yeah. And we'll see more of that. And then you get a huge, huge, huge introduction at the end of a character that I did not expect. And we'll see how it ends off. Because this is going to be interesting <laughs> yes indeed all finish right. it up to Alex. end it off wolverines number eight written by ray fox and art by juan doe and basically this is fang of the shiar imperial guard has come to earth trying to find logan see but- if, if ben were here it'd be like ben 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 did we know all this about fang already and he would be like well let me tell you and I have no idea because I really want to know. This is a great way to, to like introduce a whole new like reality. Yeah, it, it, I mean, especially because he, he has such a well, according to him, he has such a history with Logan. You know, I love yeah. that. So basically, he comes to Earth every year. Him, and Logan, they drink, they tell stories, they go on adventures, and they do it every year. It's a, it's, a, it's a tradition for them. 
So he comes there. He's like, which one of you killed Logan? He's like, based off of my, like, you know, observations, you guys are all his enemies. One of you guys is going to tell me who killed Logan. And they just all try to start fighting him. While they're fighting him, he's just talking on and on. Because basically, he's, he's invincible. Like, Essentially, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, look it up or try to find out how to kill me. And, like, Mystique thinks she found the way. They try it. Doesn't work. <laughs> and he's like... Yeah, he's basically say he basically tells him he's like I, I I'm I'm not killable like I just can't be killed that's it he's like you can try as much as, as hard as you want he's like maybe you'll find it he's like maybe you won't <laughs> that's it but towards the end of the issue they, he finally gets the kind of grasp on none of them d- did it and he's like all right well if Logan's not here and I, one of you guys didn't kill him he's like I'm gonna take you guys on my adventures so he takes the worst person I think to start off with he takes Dokken and. They're off to Jotunheim. I'm going to say that was a good choice. Dokken needs a friend. Dokken needs to escape from all this craziness. He lost an arm. He lost an eye. He That's lost why I think it's a bad dad. choice. <laughs> no, man. Needs a vacation. Needs, needs to find an escape. And, know, you know, like, he can... Frost Giants a bunch of I bet he can connect with his father in a way that he wasn't able to previously through his friend Fang. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I see it that way think now. On the, think on the bright side, young Alex. If he survives. Hey, if he doesn't, he had a run. Yeah, yeah. He was around for a while. Yeah. And, hey, he had some good years, he had some bad years. Uh, All right, Alex, what's your pick? (sighs) Hmm. This is a hard one. All right, I'm going to go with Amazing Spider-Man number 15, just because I think it was a really awesome ending to the whole, like, story Spider-Verse. I think everything was looped together, everything was tied up, and it, it was just great. Well, you made my choice even more difficult. Uh, I'm picking two then, so screw you. Uh, I'm going with Spider-Gwen, number one, and Thor Annual. Uh, Thor Annual, just introducing so many amazing creators to uh, to the universe uh, and three amazing stories. Uh, it, it nailed it. And Spider-Gwen is just... it's. It's the beginning. It was trending all day today. It's people it, are everywhere for it. It it's is super a great. huge fan base already. Uh, my favorite was Rob Liefeld tweeting. I don't know. I, he says I literally know nothing about Spider Gwen, but I'm picking it up so I don't pay more for it later. Which I thought was hilarious. I love Rob. And it yeah. was great. It was. Uh, hey, I agree with him. That, yeah. It's, I mean, get your copy. Yeah. Go run out. And get it now. Yes. Um, all right. Time. To go over the collections on sale this week, we've got Avengers and X-Men Axis on hardcover. I guess a new printing of that. Uh, Avengers Time Runs Out, Volume 2, hardcover. Black Panther, Who is the Black Panther? Dark Tower, The Drawing of the Three, The Prisoner. Death of Wolverine, The Logan Legacy. New Avengers, Volume 3, Other Worlds. Thor, Epic Collection, Volume 4, To Wake the Mangog. I love Mangog so much. Mangog is the best. Uh, digital comics on sale this week. Uh, all the, the new issues except for Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, we don't have what else is on sale this week because Ben usually pulls that information, and he is sick. Yep. Uh, what about collections? Freshly digitized on the app. We got all-new Ghost Rider number 6. All new Ultimates number six, all new X Factor number twelve, Daredevil number seven, Deadly Hand of Kung Fu number four, Deadpool Dracula's Gauntlet number seven, Deadpool versus X Force number three, Elektra number five, Magneto number eight, Mighty Avengers number thirteen, Miss Marvel number seven, New Avengers number twenty three, Nova number twenty, Original Sins number five, Savage Wolverine number twenty two. Secret Avengers number seven, Storm number two, and X Men number eighteen. 
All righty. Uh, right now, I'm actually going to kick it over to Strami, the Wolfman, and Wacker uh, for their segment. We'll come back with news. Whether or not we have been, I don't know. Hopefully, we'll have been. We'll do the news together, and then we'll go to a URC. If not, uh, Alex and I will get through those things on our own. We'll forge ahead without young Ben. Uh, all right, so off to the boys in the West Coast. Hello there this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Stromy and the Wolfman show, starring the Wolfman and Stromy. And for someone who was just accused of being uh, especially somber and sober and serious today, I'd say that I sound like I have more energy than Patrick. Who accused you of that? Uh... A, a beloved co-worker of ours. I'm not sure I know them because I don't know anyone that is beloved by me. <laughs> All right, moving on to uh, uh, the news this week. We, of course, have a bunch of new Avengers posters. We had the big shot of the entire team featuring Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Vision, and Nick Fury. Did I miss anyone? I don't... Did you say Vision? Yeah, I did say Vision. Did you say Nick Fury? Yes. Did you say Captain America? Yes. I think I got everyone. Did you say Hulk? Uh, I did. All right, stop. I think I got everyone. Is this our first even glimpse at Vision? Yeah, well, we sort of saw him in, in a concept art drawing uh, that Ryan Meinerding did for uh, Quicksilver. I think it was Ryan Meinerding. Yeah, I think it was Ryan Meinerding did that one back in uh, San Diego San Comic-Con. Diego. Uh, we saw a little, little glimpse of them, but yeah, we get, we got a little peaky peak. Still only a peak. Still only a peak. Um, and we've also now released uh, some character posters. At this point, we should have released uh, Iron Man uh, just the other day, if you're listening to this on Thursday. Um, well, let's not say who we're releasing on Thursday. If ever. Because they may release this before we release the poster. But keep your eyes on Marvel.com. We've got some more cool stuff coming up. Um, that's every... Oh, actually, no. There is some more in movies. We were nominated for some Kids' Choice Awards, weren't we, Patrick? We absolutely were. Guardians of the Galaxy was the top-nominated Marvel Studios film because it's up for... Oh, man, it's up for four awards. We got Chris Pratt is up for uh, Best Male Action Star. Zoe Saldana is up for Best Female Action Star. Ronan is up for Best Villain. And uh, it's also up for Favorite Movie. I, I should have corrected. These are all favorites. That's the official award category is Favorite Male Action Star. Uh, Marvel's Captain America the Winter Soldier also up for some awards. It's up for favorite male action star with Chris Evans and favorite female action star with Scarlett Johansson. So Marvel's going head to head on that front. But you kids choicers out there didn't leave out Marvel television because Marvel's Agents of Shield is up for best or excuse me, up for favorite family TV show and Chloe Bennett is up for favorite female TV star? That or, sounds right. That, that sounds about right. Yes. Yeah. So make sure you head over and uh, you vote. Get your voting in. Yes. Vote early. Get one of those stickers that says, I voted, yes. that are so popular in November. As, as Patrick noted, uh, it's up to you guys to help us win. Uh, you have to go and you have to vote. And But you don't, all, you don't have to be a kid. I voted. 
Don't tell anybody that I voted, and I'm not a kid. You're, you're a kid at heart. Well, that's just because I'm dumb. You're a toddler at heart. I'm toddler in the brain. Yep. Um, speaking of Marvel television, of course, we had the season finale of Marvel's Agent Carter this week. It went out, uh, well, I would say with a bang, but that was actually the episode before it that went out with a bang. This one was uh, the concluding episode, of course, lots of plot threads drawn together. I loved it. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, or if you haven't seen any of Marvel's Agent Carter yet, I say go check it out. Of course, you can find it on the iTunesy things, on the Huluy things, on the ABC.com things. I'm sure on some other streaming services that uh, I've missed. But fear not, because we have more. Agent Carter for you, actually, this week. We have the final episode of this season of uh, This Week in Marvel's Agent Carter. We talked with Tara Butters and Michelle Fizikas, who are the executive producers on the series, uh, the showrunners, and they also wrote the season finale. You can follow along with that. We had a post-game with uh, Tara and Michelle, a written one that you can read if you don't want to listen to our podcast, which, shame on you if you don't. Um, and, of course, we had some interviews with Tara and Michelle before the finale, an interview with Haley before the finale that we posted, tons of stuff. And if you're sitting here thinking, like, oh, no, now with Marvel's Agent Carter gone. That's what I was thinking. What am I going to do with my Tuesday nights? What Get I, friends? What? I don't think so. That's, that's true. You're not going to. Uh, friends on DVD? <laughs> if you need a Marvel TV fix, you're in luck because we've got Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returning next Tuesday, March 3rd at 9, 8 central on ABC. We left things on quite the cliffhanger in the winter finale. Some changes for some of our heroes. Uh, a big death in uh, the form of Trip, who uh, unfortunately passed away in the winter finale. And now everyone's sort of recovering from all of that, and you can see where everybody's at. We, in support of this, of course, released uh, one new spot that is uh, focused on Sky, Agent Sky, coping with her new powers. Uh, we will have some interviews going up, probably, some interviews that I did with uh, Clark Gregg and Chloe Bennett uh, this week. And... Of course, some preview clips and the usual sort of shenanigans. And we will be back with an all-new episode of This Week in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next Wednesday. Because, of course, now that Marvel's Agent Car is over, we're back with more This Week in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So keep an eye out for that. That pretty much wraps up everything for live action TV. Patrick, what we got going on over in the realm of animation? This Sunday at 8 a.m., catch a new episode of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash, where the Hulks return to Vista Verde, and Hulk gets the key to the city, which grants him the powers of mayor. And Red Hulk is not too happy about that, so he pursues a new career as a bounty hunter and sets his sights on Abomination. And followed by that, there will be a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Assemble in which Thanos has finally collected all of the Infinity Stones and has put them in a gauntlet of sorts. Some might call it an Infinity Gauntlet. So it's the, uh, it's the Avengers' last chance to stop Thanos before he gets to use that Infinity Gauntlet. Both of those will be airing on Disney XD Sunday morning. And you will most likely be talking with Steve a little bit after this. We, sh we certainly hope so. We certainly hope so. 
Uh, so stay tuned for that. That pretty much wraps up everything that we've got. So until then, I wish y'all a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous er week. We'll chat with you in seven more days. And as always, remember to drink your Ovaltine. Good afternoon, everyone out there in This Week in Marvel. This is Marvel.com assistant editor coming to you to talk a little bit more about what's new this week in Marvel Animation. I think I harmonized a little bit at the end there. I am joined once again by... Uh, Stephen Wacker, the... Uh guy here at Marvel Animation helping to bring your cartoons to you every uh, week. That is right. And we've got lots of cool stuff this week. Coming up uh, this Sunday at 8 a.m. on Disney XD, we've got a new episode of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash. Yes. This episode is entitled The Defiant Hulks. So tell us more about what we can expect from well, The Defiant Hulks. This is a really exciting episode by uh, Paul Dini. Uh, we have a special guest star by way of Mr. Uh, Stan Lee himself as the Hulks uh, help uh, take over a, a town when the mayor, played by Stan, uh, takes a quick vacation. So uh, Hulk becomes the mayor, uh, Red Hulk and uh, Scar can't take it anymore. They go off uh, bounty hunting. This is a really fun, fun, exciting episode. Now with Hulk becoming mayor... That sounds like a recipe for disaster. Uh, when when should we expect the hilarity to ensue in this episode? Is there a certain minute mark to look for? I would look right at the uh, one minute, 13 second mark uh, for uh, things that really uh, take off, uh, particularly when someone decides to uh, attack the town. And when your mayor is the Hulk, uh, things are going to get dirty really quick. So you can, uh, you can put that in your calendar that if you're having a, a rough Saturday night and you can't be up at the crack of 8 a.m., you can give yourself that extra minute and 13 seconds. If you don't come in until, like, minute and 10, you're still good. Don't worry. Work. Don't stress. You, you, you'll catch on, but you do want to record that beginning to see everything that led up to. Right, but you could probably hit the snooze on your alarm for, I would give it 45 seconds sure. because you might not have a TV yeah. in your room. You might have to walk downstairs, all sorts of things that There's could go on. There's a lot of problems that you might run into on the way to the t TV. But do not miss that one minute, 13 second mark. This is a, imagine the mayor of your town. Imagine Bill de Blasio, mayor of the biggest city in the United States, hulking out and going nuts. Uh, that's what happens in this one. So do not miss, do not miss Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash. Following Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash at 8.30, we've got a new episode of Marvel's Avengers Assemble. And not to give anything away, but the title of this episode is Thanos Triumphant, which sounds ominous for yeah, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. It's because Thanos is nowhere in the episode. Oh, okay. Well, it's more of a symbolic Thanos. More of a conversation about Thanos. No, this is, uh, this is Thanos winning and what happens... Uh, when Thanos gets everything he wants. This is the culmination of the uh, first half of uh, season two of Avengers. It's a very powerful episode. Um, it sets the stage for our uh, next arc called Avengers Disassembled. Um, this is a real hinge point for the entire season. Um, it's one I'm very excited for people uh, to, to look at because we don't often get to see Thanos win. And uh, it's not good. 
Patrick. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. There's a reason the Avengers fight against Thanos winning. Believe me. So that that's uh, honestly, I'm not sure I want to tune in if we're gonna see Thanos triumphant because I think he's a real bad guy. Imagine the mayor of your town <laughs> finally getting everything he or she wants. Wow. Well, I mean, that actually kind of sounds good for the whole <laughs> bureaucracy of that town if the mayor is. Uh, no, but there's... but if there aren't checks and balances. So who's with your the mayor, Thanos? Is it Ryan? I'd imagine. He's one of my. I have many Thanoses. Yeah. Thani. Thani. Ben. Would, 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 he's basically everyone who works for Marvel, including you, is my Thanos. Okay. Well, imagine all of us getting what we <laughs> want, and you're left. So I, I think I can enjoy my weekend. I think I can sleep in until 8:01 a.m. and 13 seconds. I don't believe you're up before noon, but okay. <laughs> and you're telling me if I tune into Marvel's Avengers Assemble, I'm gonna see my worst nightmare. This is your worst nightmare. Oh boy. Well, that, I've got that to look forward to this you do Sunday. You want to see it? <laughs> of course. You see I need to nightmare. see it. I need to see an animated version of my worst nightmare. So we've got those two new episodes uh, coming up this Sunday on Disney XD. And next week, next week, is there anything exciting possibly going on that we can we can tease to our listeners? Next week, in terms of a certain web slinger, or a certain wall crawler. Uh, a certain wall crawler, Web Slinger is also his nickname, pal. <laughs> I, I thought we were going to have this banter of we were just going to use nicknames back and forth, but no, I, I also... I don't banter. <laughs> uh, next week, I think we're talking about uh, the coming of the Spider-Verse. And uh, we talk, we've been hinting at it for a long time, but people are finally going to be able to see it. Now, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought Spider-Verse was an event that was exclusive to the comic book publishing world. What are you trying to say that we're gonna? Are we gonna watch, you know, uh, comic books on TV? We took, uh, you know, this all started with Dan Slott, the writer of Sp Spider-Man, um, and we took his the germ of his idea for the Spider-Verse story, which we'd actually discussed in publishing years ago, um, and we came up with our own version of it. Um, and I think that's what Marvel does the best when the different sides, from the feature side to television to comics, are all sort of in simpatico and telling these these uh, mythic stories of these characters. And they all you can sort of look at any of them, and and uh, it feels like you're in the Marvel U universe. You know, you know right where you are. Well, that's all very exciting. We'll talk more about that next week. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Steve, I'd like to thank you for joining me yet again. Beware Ben Morse, senior editor of Marvel.com, the, the, the mighty hammer. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we will uh, talk to you to next week. And until next week... You sound confused. I, I'm slightly confused because I got excited to tell people to tune in, and I was nervous that I wouldn't remember to tell them to cartoon in. Oh, right, our tagline. Our, our tagline, yes. Cartoon in. This Sunday on Disney XD. All right, and we are back, and uh, someone has come back to the force of good. Hello. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Uh, Marvel.com senior editor Van Morse. I'm back. I'm, I'm tired. I'm like 75% well. I don't know if you talked about why I wasn't here yesterday. So I think we just said you were ill. Yeah. I was ill. I'm still ill, but I would not miss our uh, This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club this mm -hmm. week, which is an awesome selection. But before we get there we got some news to talk about uh, in the world of comics. Um, you guys may have heard about this small boutique event we're doing called Secret Wars. Tiny it's, little thing. It's, coming, it's starting in May, but we are already starting to announce our June books for Secret Wars. And it's like, this isn't even like the tip of the iceberg. It was like the tip of the tip of the iceberg. It's like just the tip. We had, it's just the tip of the tip. 
Just the we tip? We have just the tip. We have so many books coming, but they're really fun and exciting. Um, some of the ones we announced this week were a book called Thor's, plural. It's written by Jason Aaron. And get this, the art is by Chris Sprouts. Oh, my God. I don't. I got so excited. Yeah, I don't. Has he ever done Marvel work, or he hasn't? It's been I'm ages sure ago. I'm sure he has to have done something. He's well, so good. This is his first work, at the very least, in a long time. It's about the police force of Battleworld, who happens to be comprised solely of Thors from various realities. So it's a sort—it's like a core of Thors. Um, and they're just, you know, Jason said he's writing it like a cop book. But the cops are Thors. They hang out. They go to their Thor bar. Literally everything <laughs> about this is is driving me nuts from anticipation. Yeah. All right, I'm taking my hood off. I said I was going to Your have, hair is crazy right I now. I love it. I said I was going to have my hood up for the entire podcast, but I got warm. Um, in addition to that, Ghost Racers yes. is the outgrowth of the Ghost Rider series that just wrapped up. Felipe Smith is writing it, and it will have Robbie Reyes, but will have, like, every Ghost Rider ever competing in something called the Ghost Race. Here's yes. a, something I was thinking about yesterday. Talk to me. Will they have the elephants, mm. the ghost riders on the elephants in this, and will they be super fast well, ghost rider elephants? Here's the thing. I mean, we've already shown in the preview pages that uh, Ghost Rider from the Old West is racing on his horse. And he's got guns. And he's got but guns. a horse is a little bit faster than an elephant. Understood. But a, but a horse is still not as fast as, say, like, you know, a, uh, the drag racer car that Robbie Reyes has. So but I believe be some sort of evening out. If you put enough horses inside a car, it's equal right. to it's very a powerful. Car. It's very powerful. Yeah. There um, are many horses that go inside cars. Point being, I, I think Elephant Ghost Rider is certainly on the table, whether or not we will get to see him or not. I'm going to um, yell at Panic and tell him to get it in there. Yeah. Tell Panic you want that. I'm about to sneeze in any second, so we're just going to roll and see what happens. I'm as long as Alex records the, the time, and then we edit it out so you guys don't have to hear a sneeze, yeah, then we're gonna good. Be, it's going to be terrible. I can already tell from the feeling I have in my nose right now. Um, That's what she said? Sure. Um, we also announced a new book today called Star-Lord and Kitty Pride. It's going to be written by Slammin' Salmon Humphreys. Salmon? Slammin' Salmon? Oh, my God. I love that yeah. new name. Slammin' Salmon Humphreys, writer of Legendary Star-Lord, is going to write a book about Kitty Pride and Star-Lord. But get this. The Kitty Pride in the book is the Kitty Pride from Age of Apocalypse. Say what? And there is, as we know, an Age of Apocalypse realm in Battleworld, but she's not in that realm. She's in a different realm with Star-Lord, and we don't know which Star-Lord it is. <sighs> so there's something going on there. Sam also said there's going to be a quote-unquote fan favorite mutant involved not kitty pride a different caliban one. could be caliban could be sunder uh, could be sunder could be forearm Ooh. could be strobe could be any of the mutant liberation front standbys thumbelina slab <laughs> are you just going to the nasty boys hair bag <laughs> ruckus <laughs> ramrod <laughs> I think that's all the nasty Truly boys. the greatest collection of mutant supervillains ever. Brian Nobbs. <laughs> Jerry Sags. Um, yeah, Are the they nas- both alive? Yeah, they're both alive. That's good. We're good. Um, yeah, some, somehow against all odds, they're both alive. Yeah, I heard a horn. Is that your phone? It wasn't a horn. It, it was like, vibrating. It sounded like a, like a horn, the horn of a Gondor. No. I wish I needed to make the horn of Gondor the sound my phone makes when I get yeah. a text. So get that. We are, um, I was almost going to announce the thing we're announcing tomorrow because I was like, oh, it'll be announced by the time the podcast goes up, but the podcast going up in like an hour. So, uh, Black Widow's getting the last day's tie-in. You're going to find out what happens in the last days of 
Marvel Universe for Black Widow, for Punisher, for Ms. Marvel, for Silver Surfer. They're all going to be facing the end of the Marvel Universe. Dan Slott, actually, his interview on the uh, Last Days for Silver Surfer was really interesting because he said there's some wackiness going on where Silver Surfer, we're actually going to see not the last days, but like the post-last days. Like the Marvel Universe ends, and then we're going to see what happens. What? Yeah, he has some sort of like crazy loophole that Silver Surfer and Dawn are both going to make it to like beyond the end of the Marvel Universe. So then they become the future Galactus. I don't know, man. All I know is the cover has Eternity on it. And if you read, you guys talked about New Avengers. That yeah, stuff happened to Eternity. So that's he got got. Kinda, he got got pretty <laughs> bad. So that's going to happen. Um, yeah, that's what's been going on. Also, She-Hulk is over. That ended. Ended last week, right? Yeah. Well, before you say farewell to it too much, uh, Charles Soule, like a boss over at his personal blog, has been writing essays, and he was kind enough to share a bunch with them, of them with us, called the She-Hulk Essays. And our good personal close friend, Wando, mm. did you see him all over Marvel.com this week? Uh, yeah, you had the sketchbook. Yeah, you had a sketchbook. Went from sketch to pencils to inks to colors. Uh, if you read Wolverine's number eight this week, you can see him break down exactly what happened. So that's cool. Super I cool. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to see that anywhere else. No. Uh, and uh, in games, Marvel Mighty Heroes. It's a new game. You and I were just on a call about this. We sure were. It's from the folks at DNA. It's going to be coming soon. Um, and it is a brawler. It looks adorable. Co-op, multiplayer, yep. lots of awesome characters that lots we've already of costumes. shown. Uh, we'll be doing a lot more with them soon, so let's yeah. not talk about it too much here. And uh, PvP, number 19, started for Avengers Alliance. You can get Angela, and you can get the Destroyer, oh. which seems unfair. Yeah. Story is pretty powerful. Is he going to be another one of those characters Lock that box. pulls to, like, a Doom? That seems like how, oh, they, like, you can't team anyone with yeah. him? I don't know. That's, that's what, a good question. That's what I would do if I were I, in charge. I think you, yeah, that makes sense. I was thinking more you were saying how, like, all the characters now have the, like, double classifications. Oh, yeah. Like, every new character now He should a be a, brawl, a bruiser and a blaster. I think he should just be a generalist. You're a generalist. I agree. Thank you. That's a kind compliment. So that's everything. That's news. You mean news? What's going on in your life? Uh, oh, let me I bought tell you. a new. I bought a new car. Hey, congratulations! That's exciting, right? Yeah, that's big. That's news, guys. Yeah. Breaking. Heard it here first. Unless you follow me on Twitter. I was on three other podcasts. Jeez, man. One of them may get me in trouble. Uh-oh. Who knows? Really? We'll see. Oh, I want to uh, hear about that off the air. Not for any real reason, but whatever. Whatever. It's good times. Uh, yeah, I was on Straight Shoot. Yep, which was super fun. I was on a show called Loaded Dice Radio, mm-hmm. which was fun. And I was on Jamie Justice podcast, who yeah. Jamie was on our podcast. Did you record it while he was here? Yeah. That makes sense. We did ours first, and then his, and then he released his first, and then we released ours. Ooh. Yeah. Flippy floppies. Totally. Yeah. All over the place. So lots of fun stuff, guys. Uh, what else? I think Mark and Patrick probably covered the bulk of and Steve. their stuff. And Steve. You get used to that. I know. It's you hard. Mad we didn't mention him one time. I try... To forget, because he broke my heart by leaving New York. He'll be back. I know. They always come back. We love Wacker. Uh, it's very great that he Whack is Attack. Yeah. 
but now that news is done, it's time for this week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Cheers, man. So we read the first five issues of Black Panther, uh, the Marvel Knights 1998 volume, written by Priest, art by Mark Teixeira, uh, which I forgot how much I loved that. Oh, yeah. Man can draw a six-pack or an eight-pack like nobody's business. <laughs> and shoulders. Shoulders. Like the greatest shoulders and arms ever. The, his character just looks sculpted out of clay. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, so the backstory on this, I think we've talked about Marvel Knights a bit before, but to expand on it. In 1998, Joe Casada, formerly our editor-in-chief, now our chief creative officer, uh, him and Jimmy Palmiotti came into Marvel with their own imprint card called Marvel Knights. So they were basically handed four lower tier characters slash titles titles that hadn't really been doing much uh it was daredevil it was punisher it was inhumans and black panther and said you know what get whatever creators you think are going to do well with these and kind of go in your own direction like don't feel tethered to the traditional interpretation so in the case of black panther priest who had been around since the 80s uh at one point was known as jim owlsley then changed his name to christopher priest then changed his name to priest um which is just badass in and of itself um was the guy brought in to do black panther and mark texture was brought in as the initial artist now what i love about priest run right off the bat because to me black panther has been a cool character since forever since the minute he came in but priest took a very different approach to the panther and in these five issues you see it is that the black panther rarely feels like the lead character of his own book he is more this presence that's kind of swarming around. Uh, the narrator is this new character, Kevin Ross, who's kind of this everyman um, who works for the government and is basically just the liaison for T'Challa while he's in America. But you also get stuff from you know, there's a whole huge cast of characters. I think this is where the Dora Milaje was first introduced. Uh, this is where we meet Zuri. Uh, this I is, love Zuri so much. Zuri's the best, and. It, it, the, the narrative structure of the book is crazy because it's not linear at all. Um, a lot of it is Ross telling stories exactly. and, like, recounting things yeah. and having no pants on. Yep. Ross is <clears throat> I get not an unreliable narrator but a frustrating <laughs> narrator in the sense that he will just – he's telling the story in the way he wants to tell it. So you'll jump literally over the course of five issues. Like, there's some points where it starts getting a little more linear, but it's really all over the place. Um, and in the course of that, it's just like, it was stuff that wasn't really attempted. Black Panther to this point was a very cool, serious character. This is to my recollection, the first real attempt to like inject humor into the character. And the humor is that he's the straight man. Oh yeah. Like he's not, there's no humor about him, but Ross is hilarious. And his observations on all these characters around him is like, this is all ridiculous. Yeah, the, the situations that they get in are absurd, mm -hmm. but at the same time, totally believable for the world that these characters yeah. inhabit. And, you know, there's a lot of politics involved. Yep. Uh, up until this point, you know, the idea that Panther was a head of state was a thing, but more than ever before, that was injected into here. Like, the whole story is basically revolved around, you know, the struggle for Wakanda, but also him being in america and you know what he has to do as a foreign head of state when he comes to america and all that i think the biggest thing for me is that when you contrast ross to the panther and all these characters to the panther t'challa just comes off as so cool just like such a badass i think priest the best thing he did was make it so he didn't have to talk or deliver like right i think that that is super effective yeah. throughout this it's also it's it's 
to bring it back to wrestling as we always do. It's like when we talk about Heyman accentuating the positives and dialing back the negatives. Uh, Priest was a guy who realized, like, you know, the coolest thing about T'Challa is just he's this silent badass. Him coming in, and, you know, he did this a lot in Avengers and other things, and doing, like, these long, typical Marvel soliloquies doesn't really serve... uh, It doesn't benefit him. It doesn't make him look good. He'll do it occasionally. But to have him just kind of, as this looming presence, will come in and just, like, punch Mephisto in the face. Or, but first, Mm -hmm. completely outsmart Mephisto. He's smarter than the devil. He's the smartest guy in every room he's in. That's true. Yeah, and it it emphasizes his smarts. It emphasizes he's tougher than you. He's better than you. It's just, like, it basically, he's the coolest guy in the world. He can outwit anyone. He can outfight anyone. And... He's not going to explain how he's doing it. We've just got this guy, Everett K. Ross, who's this great character, who's us, watching in awe as he does all of this. Yeah. So it was it was a brilliant approach. I Priest is a genius. He's done some great stuff over the years. This is probably what he's best known for. But he, I, we've had some great Black Panther runs. Reggie Hudlin did a great job. Jonathan Hickman's done some cool stuff. Prior to this, going back, um, you had some classic stuff from you know Stan on down. But to me, Priest Black Panther up there if not my favorite then definitely like top three just because he, he just got the character he was so locked in with this whole world yeah and when you're talking about the politics and you know the, that part of the character i found it really interesting how black panther t'challa plays is played as uh, a leader with heart mm-hmm. a leader with a conscience a leader who you know isn't necessarily like going to do the best thing that makes sense politically. He's going to do the thing that he believes in, which is a very important character trait for Panther. It's and it's 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 amazing. Dude. I love that character. Yeah. And I would say if you guys enjoyed this even a little bit, read the entire run. It's all on unlimited. It's all on unlimited and Priest goes for like 60 issues or something. Yeah. And it, like Priest is a guy who once he digs into a character, he sticks around. And stuff he does here resonates through to issue 60 like he plays the long game i mean each each story arc is cool in its own right he gets some great artists around the way i know joe jusco does some work yep. and uh salvaludo's on there for like a long time but just a really good series and for a lot of people who are looking to get into black panther uh, with the movie coming up or with him being a more important character he's going to be in secret wars like this is a great primer for black panther and what you know, we'll get a lot of questions about why is this character cool. This is why Black Panther is awesome. Yes. Um, I was going to say one other thing, and I totally forgot it. So um, <laughs> we'll dive right into the questions. And if I remember, we'll get the, we'll get to it. Excellent. First up, we got Chris Vaughn says, Absolutely love Priest's entire Black Panther run, and it only gets better. Still like it better than Hudlin's run. The smart thing Reggie Hudlin did when he came on Black Panther was he did not, like, he was a fan of Priest's run as well, and he did not try to do Priest's run you can't. over. You no. Can't. He played it very differently. His was much more kind of tied to Wakanda, whereas this was all over the place, and not as much played for laughs. They're both good in their, in their separate ways, but the thing I thought Reggie was always smart about was he said, I can't outdo priest so i'm going to take it from a different direction and he he went a different way yeah so yeah i mean you know you can like one better than the other but i think it's it's an apples and oranges thing because they weren't trying to do the same thing with the same character yep uh chris says priest black panther is like shaft plus james bond plus tony stark and that equals absolute badass 
there are some stories later where he comes into conflict with Tony that are amazing because they totally play it off as, you know, these are two, these are not just the two smartest guys in the Marvel Universe because, you know, you can throw Reed Richards and Hank Pym and everything, but these are the two most clever guys. Like, they have the brain power, but they also have, like, the savvy to use it in a way like Reed or Hank Pym, like, would never be able to do. And the people skills, like, yes. you know, like, they're charming, yeah. they can be, they can maneuver, yeah, manipulate, yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris says, in honor of... Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill coming to Avengers Alliance, can we get his first appearance as a twin URC? That, that could be That arranged. is an excellent... Yeah. Ooh, that might sway my choice oh, really? a little bit. Right, we'll see. Um... I remember what I wanted to ask, um, and do you know, maybe you don't know, the Joe Quesada storyteller credit. Did you notice that in each issue? I did not. Yeah, in each issue, uh, the, yeah. you know, Priest and Teixeira or yeah. whoever is given, you know, the main credit. But Joe well. is given, like, a storyteller yeah. or a special, there's a special credit he has, um in addition to his right. editor in chief, like whatever yeah. editor credit he has. Well, I mean, when Marvel Knights started, he was basically breaking everything with everyone. And so what do you sense. mean by that? If a fan doesn't understand what that, means. Uh, it means that probably when Priest came up, probably the process of Black Panther coming up, and I'm certainly not speaking from like I was in the room. I know, but from what I, what I would surmise, I would guess Joe approached Priest and said, "Hey, I want you to do Black Panther." may have had some initial ideas. Pre said, okay, what about this? And then Joe went back. Like, I think it was much more collaborative than just being like, hey, I want you to write Black Panther. Go to it. Like, right. there was definitely a lot of back and forth. You know, obviously Joe was the artist on Daredevil, so he worked with Kevin Smith. I think with, you know, Garth Dennis on Punisher, Paul Jenkins on Inhumans, and then here with Priest, there was definitely a lot of back and forth. I remember that he was more... I don't want to say invested, but more involved with Black Panther. Like, Black Panther was very much a... Uh, because within Humans and with Punisher, those were characters that were kind of... They were going to do what they were going to do. But I think there was a feeling of Daredevil is the flagship character of the line. Black Panther might be the most important. Because mm. he's so important in the Marvel Universe, and he's such a... He's, he's a meaningful character. So I think Joe took a personal interest in uh, Black Panther. Cool. And again, that's all just from like recollections of interviews and stuff I've read. Right. Even our own stuff we did for uh, 75th last year. Gotcha. DJ Fanko says the Teixeira art in this Black Panther volume totally takes me back to my 90s Ghost Rider days. Oh. Hashtag comic book time machine. I loved his run on Ghost Rider. Yeah, man. The way he drew, like, it's just the texture he puts in certain things. So, like, Ghost Rider was perfect because he had the skull and he could, you know, do the indentations. Interesting thing was actually after, wa after seeing his Ghost Rider, I couldn't picture him doing anything else because mm. Ghost Rider was so different. And then I remember he did Wolverine for a little while, and I was reading then. Just the way he drew, like, blood and other stuff was perfect. And then yeah. by the time he got here, I would never have imagined, like, this looks completely different from any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Tex is a genius. Super. Uh, DJ Fanko says, I'm not going to lie. I didn't see the twist coming at the end. Which end? End of... Which twist? It's, oh, oh, right. At the, the end, end of, of five, five number five. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I didn't remember that actually. No, me that, neither. It hurt me. Uh, it hurt me deeply. Uh, they, Priest did a good job there, just like setting up very briefly, like, oh, this is a nice relationship, and then not really touching yeah. it, and then coming back at the end of five issues, being like, oh, remember? Yeah, it's like a sweeping the legs out from under. It was, it was yeah. Uh, and he said, DJ Fango says, oh, man, those pants, poor Ross. Yeah, that was pretty good. I think he also may have been talking about the twist of just Mephisto showing up. Maybe. 
because that was crazy too. Yeah. Because like, Black Panther is not a book you expect Mephisto to be in. No. Certainly at the time, you didn't expect it. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Don says, why don't more people talk about the time Black Panther knocked out Mephisto with one punch? <laughs> Should. But it's an excellent question, Don. Yeah. I agree. I love it. I mean, Black Panther is the badass of all badasses. Um, Jeremy Baker, Pokemonkey, says, Black Panther is the most 90s thing that ever did 90s. I have no idea what that means. I, yeah, I don't know. Black Panther is probably like one of the least 90s characters ever. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the 90s tropes that are... I mean, anything... Every comic from every era is going to reflect yeah, I, in I, some I, way I can't like, even think of the anything time. he did in this run that was very 90s. I mean, this is 98. We're almost... At, it, I don't even think of 98 as part of the 90s when it comes to comics because I think of, like, after Heroes Reborn and Heroes Return, like, we reached the, like, event horizon of 90s, <laughs> like, and everything imploded back to it. So like, those last, like, two or three years of the 90s are basically their own little mini decade. Sure. Because it's not like, you know, Cable's not, like, running around this book or anything like that. And I don't know. LJ Hollywood, about to start reading Black Panther for this week's Tumi RC. I've only seen T'Challa in Avengers books, so I'm excited for his solo book. Well, LJ, I hope you dug it because that was your only comment. <laughs> <laughs> I do think he's very different in Solo than Avengers. He, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't say much in Avengers. He's kind of off the side, which which is kind of his nature because he's uh, he's not someone who steps up to lead necessarily because he'd rather sit back, observe, and see what other people are doing, and then kind of come in with his contributions. So seeing him in his solo book where he is the driving force is very different. M.P. Jameson, Black Panther was wonderful. It gave me a deeper insight into a character I was already intrigued by. I'll read more Black Panther. Huzzah! Very good, M.P.J. Penelope Cat says, excited about the new Twim URC selection. I haven't read a lot of Black Panther. Not sure if I read this when it originally came out. If I did read this run, it would have been because I was a Marvel Knight zombie, not because of the character or creators. Interesting point there is branding definitely does drive, you know, what people are excited about sometimes. Absolutely. He says, I don't know uh, that I knew much about Christopher Priest and Mark Teixeira. Uh, oh, I didn't know much uh, about Christopher Priest, and Mark Teixeira was synonymous to me with uh, heavy inking uh, some of his favorite pencilers. Yeah, Tex is a weird inker mm. because he's so distinctive. It's the yeah. same as when, like, um, uh, it's when, like, Klaus. I was just thinking Klaus, yeah. someone, and I'm like, you don't want to put Klaus with someone whose pencils are. It, 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 you I wouldn't put him with Jim Chung. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like you're gonna yeah. get. You're gonna. You put him with someone who has a darker style. Yeah. Like thicker. Yeah. Like heavier. Even when we saw those like John Byrne issues of Avengers he did a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, that kind of works because John Byrne's a little more of a, you know, moody mm. artist in some cases. But yeah, it's the same as like Tex is very very heavy. Like if you if if Mark Teixeira inks someone, it's gonna look like Mark Teixeira. Yeah. All right, so all that said, Penelope yes. says, issue one, if I did have feelings of apathy or negativity towards the creators, I was an idiot. The first issue is great. It takes a big man to admit Yeah, very well done, Penelope Cat. He says, uh, right off the bat, it establishes who Black Panther is and why he's distinctive. No origin recap necessary. That's true, but we yeah. I do love how the, the origin, origin. Is, is filtered into yep. the rest of the story. And it's part of the story. Yeah, it's not just it makes it, like you need that to get that payoff by yeah. the end of issue five. Yeah, um, he says, uh, I don't know that origins are always necessary. Anyway, T'Challa's origin: his dad was a king of an advanced nation and died. Yes and no. There's more to it. Yeah, there is definitely more. Yeah, he says Doctor Strange's origin: he learned magic. Now he knows magic. The details don't always need to be retold. Penelope, I would actually disagree with that because there's heavily. there's a level of. Uh, who Doctor Strange was right. before before the magic came 
at all into it, which says a lot about his character, more so now of like who we think about Doctor Strange and like some of the things he does um, and, and the path he's gone down that I think is important to understanding the character. Yeah, just learning magic didn't make Doctor Strange a hero. It's mm -hmm. the same way you could say, you know, Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider, but until his uncle died, he didn't become Spider-Man. Right. There's definitely more than just how did they get their powers. Agreed. That said, I would uh, be interested in, like, a quick one-shot with just paragraphs of Penelope Cat saying they're just sentences of how heroes' origins took place. <laughs> Captain America was skinny, got a shield. <laughs> Punched Hitler. Punched Hitler. Uh <laughs> Public Hecatinity says, to share his art and Haberlin's colors work well together, mm -hmm. looking like painted artwork. Does Casada's storyteller credit mean layouts? Yeah, see, that was why I, yeah. I didn't, I I didn't think, think so. so. It I didn't, think it was more of a writing. Yeah, it, it didn't really seem like Joe's layouts anyway. Yeah. Uh, and he would have been so incredibly busy yeah. at that point, uh, editing, drawing. Yeah, he started drawing stuff. Daredevil I mean, at the same time this came out. Yeah. Um, Brian Haberlin's colors, definitely, we mm. should mention. Um, oh, yeah. You know, on a book where the lead character has you know an ebony suit uh the the work he did to to make it stand out and to make all the stuff stand out yeah it definitely made texture as a it doesn't make it makes it look more painterly it actually when joe jusco comes in and does a fill-in issue um you're like oh wow he looks kind of like joe jusco's <laughs> who is you know a painter yeah so. Uh, where are we? He says, uh, <laughs> says, you should get on Sinbad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as timeless as the storytelling is, lines like that show that this comic is almost 20 years old. I Maybe that's the, the point of yeah, the, the 90s, the 90s thing? reference that no, Jeremy man. had. But Sinbad is timeless. <laughs> Sinbad Sinbad's is as big now as he's ever been. That should be the new uh, catchphrase for this. Sinbad is timeless. Sinbad is timeless. That's, our, that's the new This, this Week, week in Marvel, Marvel catchphrase. Yep. Uh, he said, Penelope says, otherwise, the storytelling is very fresh and contemporary. Maybe very Tarantino-esque, but Priest admits it. Yeah, I think he says that's one of his big influences. Yeah. Uh, he said, I was so caught up in a story, I didn't really think of stuff to say about each individual issue. I just wanted to read the next issue. Priest and Teixeira do a great job of mixing the street level with the fantastic, dark with humor into a consistent whole. Well said. Well said. Rep Gemlin. I would love to partake in every reading club between URC, but my own reading pile is huge. I pick and choose, but it's still a great idea. Was Black Panther and Marvel Knights run with the gold editions a new look back then, or did the gold predate this? I think hmm. this is the first appearance of the gold highlights, because if I remember correct, his previous appearances before this in Avengers in the 90s, he was still wearing just the solid black suit. This is the first one we see where it's kind of like there's blue highlights and there's gold ornaments and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I think that was a Marvel Knights flourish, and it is... Uh, come and gone since interesting yeah tim keese great pick doing black panther first book had two i don't know first well, i'll oh, do yeah. this please do this uh tim's because tim writes in in internet you know okay. like truncated I don't, I don't, losing i don't speak internet losing vowels <laughs> and stuff i got this right. i got this please take this tim says great pick doing black panther first book was hard to follow but Ooh. intriguing second book ends in a in such a huge cliffhanger yeah. can't wait to read the rest of the series wow that was very yeah, impressive yeah. on your part i had no idea what he said boom and then he says, why stop after five books? Such a good story. So different yet so similar to modern, modern Black Panther. Love the inside-out way of telling the story. I mean, the only reason we stopped is because, you know, we only had two weeks. Yeah. I, that doesn't mean you guys have you to You guys stop. should keep going, yeah. for sure. Uh, he says... Tim says, I like the mix of tech and mystic. One reason I love Black Panther books. Would love to see a Deadpool series next for change of style and pace. We should do a uh, pre-Deadpool 
I don't, I don't remember that. It wasn't. It was, it was, it was not. Priest has said in interviews it was not his favorite thing he's ever done. <laughs> he followed Joe Kelly, and it was. Oh, that's hard. tough. That is uh, tough. Yeah. He did write a Black Panther crossover into it, though. Yes, that yeah, was pretty cool. All right, finishing it up with Tom Tattersall. Two things. One, I really enjoy stories with narrator characters. And two, where can I get some vibranium soles for my shoes? Great twin URC choices. Terrific. And I have no answer to that question, so let's yeah. get off it. You can go to uh, Vibranium yeah. RS. Waka- yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> the Wakandan Embassy. <laughs> yeah, Good see luck what they finding say. It. Um, all right, so time to pick another twin URC. I was going to go to ultimate spider-man because right. we had talked about that before right. and we've not actually put that on the show no. and it's a seminal it's classic important. what was the last thor story we did <sighs> did we do blood and thunder ever i don't think so we've done a thor story i can't for the life of me remember what it was yeah uh might, might as well yeah we'll do the beginning of walt simonson's thor run yeah. which is the introduction of beta ray bill i will find uh, a logical amount of issues and then i will <laughs> dropping in there best of luck yeah because no. that his stories yeah, sort of flow into each other yeah, it's I'm amazing try to find a decent cutoff point so we're not doing so six, 60, 60 issues. issues yeah we'll do 60 issues for next week all right so it'll be <laughs> thor by walt simonson yeah. featuring better Ray bill yeah. coming up that should be a lot of fun yes uh very cool thank you guys as always rate review and subscribe you like that high note sinbad timeless forever this is Marvel. Oh, can we do like, like WWE will do Sinbad now, then, now, forever. <laughs> I wish we could get Sinbad on the show. I, why Let's have we? Blake get him. All right, Blake, if you're listening. <laughs> He's not listening. This, not is, this, point. <laughs> this is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>